Good morning. This is Camille's Demi Hour, and I am Camille Broderick, and you are listening to Nantucket's NPR 89.5. And we are in the studio today with someone I've been hunting down <laughs> for about a month to try to get into the studio today. Been hiding but, under a barrel. Yeah, he's been hiding under a barrel like a little hermit. I had to slowly coax him out, <laughs> and he finally made his way over here from uh, Cisco Brewery. And we have in the studio today, Randy Hudson. Welcome, Randy. Thank you, Camille. It is a pleasure to have you here, and we are going to talk about whiskey. And for those of you who don't know, Cisco Brewery is such a fun place. It's one of those things that you must do on the island. Enjoy the wine, enjoy the vodka, enjoy the beer. There is so much to enjoy there. It's kind of overwhelming. Dogs, music. (laughs) It goes on and on and on. And I think a lot of people forget about the amazing whiskey that is made there. And that was why I wanted to bring Randy in. He is the gentleman behind the scenes in control of that program and making the whiskey over at Cisco. It's award-winning internationally um, as well as domestically, but it is a, um, an incredible product here that we make on island, and we are honored to have Randy here and for him to talk about it. So I think the first thing we should do, which we love to do with all of our guests, is get their story of why they're on Nantucket. Oh, my God. <laughs> well... Initially, my interest in the island or my knowledge of the island at all came from my grandparents. Um, They were into genealogy, so they traced their lineage. Uh, My family is one of the two original, or two of the original nine white settlers of the island. Oh my goodness. Uh, The Hudson name? No, Swain. Swain. W-S-W-A-I-N. A-I-N. So we date back to the two, the father and son, Swain, who were part of the, uh, the group Holy that cow. settled the island. So. That's amazing. Um, we could that, talk about, we could make another show about that one. <laughs> so with, with that sort of as a background, um, I had also met a guy who owned a landscaping company on the island, and I was studying landscape architecture, um, met him in a graduate horticulture class, came here to work for him after he had asked me to, and I re- rejected him. And a year later, decided, yeah, I spent a year in Chicago. This might be a good juxtaposition of something completely different. Uh-huh. So let's go try it. And I just stuck. And he ended up selling out of the business and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so he made space for me. <laughs> well, that's how things happen. Everything falls into place when other people fall out of place. <laughs> I, I, Totally agree. I, I felt like my life has been completely organic, and this happens because that happened, and on and on and on. So, your whole staff has come together organically. When I took a tour totally. and met everybody there, and everyone has come from completely different fields and backgrounds. There's just such an eclectic group there. How are you growing your team? Well, <laughs> just you, on the organic I philosophy, think you sort of know the answer. Um, we're talking about it, or it, it happens organically. I mean. We find people who just happen to fall into our laps. Yeah. Like, really, that's the way it is. People come. They're interested. We like them. Mm -hmm. They fill a role. They do a a good job. They show an aptitude or an interest to grow. And we say, why not? See if you can do this. And Give them some wings. Give them a a little bit of guidance and let them fly. Mm -hmm. See if they can fly. Mm -hmm. And usually it works out pretty well. I mean, if they don't fly, then they leave. So for some of our listeners who 
haven't been to maybe Cisco or are new to the island and visiting here for the first time, can you um, give a quick summary about what the place is like and what you serve and what you make? Do you? We don't. We have only twenty six <laughs> <No>. minutes. <laughs> the skews. The list of skews is dozens and dozens long, so I, I won't go into it fully in detail. But we've been making beer there since uh, nineteen ninety five, and mm-hmm. the range of beer styles is kind of all over the road, from English pale ales to soured. Uh, barrel-aged Belgian-style beers to heavy-duty, dark uh, stouts, and and then a little more into the new uh, hop age Mm -hmm. of extremely fruity and and bitter uh, Mm -hmm. IPAs. We've been making wine. Dean and Melissa started the winery in 83 and moved to that location in 86. They were the original founders, right? They started the winery. And they've been making wine uh, for almost, what are we going on now? Uh, 2016. 32 years now. 33 years. 32 years. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. But they're known more for the vodka and the beer. Vodka we started making, uh, well, we, we started distilling in late 90s. With the winery license, we were actually allowed to do some uh, fortification of wine, uh, like the port we started making, um, distilling some wine to then put into a, a fortified wine, a port, mm-hmm. um, just with the uh, agricultural wine license that we had at the time. In 2000, we got a license through the feds for uh, distillation, a DSP, they call it, a uh-huh. distilled spirits plant, okay. and started making uh, whiskey and vodka. Okay. So we make whiskey and vodka we make a lot of different flavors of vodka we make liqueurs Uh Um, we've been working more and more with growing plants that we can use in liqueurs and in things like uh, vermouth i've made some dry vermouth that i haven't labeled but i've gotten bottles and i'm not sure if we're going to sell it maybe we will (laughs) Wow. If you can design a label for oh, us. Oh, yeah, sure. I I can. I have some good penmanship. Okay. Um, we've got, I've got some sweet vermouth experiments. I, I think I would love, I know I would love to do that um, mm-hmm. if I ever found the time. Wow, that'd be um, delicious. And if you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Randy Hudson, one of the distillers at Cisco Brewery. And this is 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And we were just talking about all the products and all the amazing things they make over there. And and the facility is rather small considering all that you do. And, and the winery is partially outside. So when you go there and you actually see all of the tanks, that's really where they're doing and making the wine. Even during the winter, you're out there. Bulk of the fermentation is happening outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have jackets on the tanks, uh, mm-hmm. insulation cladding the tank so that we can control the temperature of the fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, fermentation actually creates its own heat right. uh, anyway. So it's doing itself a favor by fermenting and keeping itself warm. But it's probably how they did it in the old days, too. I'm sure they did. Right. Um, wrap it up in cow skins and <laughs> hay bales. <laughs> And then you joined after the founders. Can you just do the chronology again? Sure. Um, Dean and Melissa started the winery when they were still working for Bartlett Farm Okay. in 83. They started it in what actually is now the cow barn up there. Okay. Um, moved down to the house where they are now and moved the, the winery there in 86. Um, 
Wendy and I, my wife Wendy and I, came along in '92. And how did you meet them? Uh, Wendy worked cutting flowers with Melissa in the morning and uh-huh. driving the vegetable truck downtown um, and selling vegetables downtown. So we met them that we met them because they worked together. And uh, so Wendy and I came to them and lived above the winery and started helping them in the in the field in the vineyard, mm-hmm. helping them in the winery to do bottling and mm-hmm. um, some cellar work, and then also doing sales a mm-hmm. little bit of sales at the winery. It wasn't quite as busy then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know how you can do it all. If you've been there on a weekend, I think most of you know that it's just packed and mobbed all the time. It's crazy. It's sometimes. crazy. But the way you do that is to keep adding more people and uh-huh. good people is right. really key. So. And the food trucks help. Food trucks help, yeah. They keep people <laughs> occupied. Yeah. yeah sure. And give well fed. Give them something to eat. It's, it's, yeah. And so I guess we should definitely talk about where you came into whiskey. Where did that begin? And um, were you a whiskey drinker before? Or was it just something you always wanted to try? Once again, the organic <laughs> answer Um I wasn't a whiskey drinker when I started working for Dean and Melissa. Um, I wasn't a whiskey drinker when Wendy and I founded the brewery. However, once we started making beer and Dean expressed an interest in doing some distillation, making some brandy, uh, we both said, hey, why couldn't we make whiskey? We've got half of what we need in the brewery, mm-hmm. tanks to ferment Already. in, yep. you know, uh, mash, mash ton to make the sweet wort to ferment. So... It seemed like just something natural that we should do. It seemed really interesting, and I didn't know anything about it. And if there is one thing I am, it's curious. So <laughs> it was it was a natural. I wasn't making the, the whiskey. I wasn't running the still to begin with. It was mm-hmm. Dean. Uh, I was still doing the brewing, um, making the sweet work, sending it over to the distillery, and he was running it through the still. Okay, so when did it really become serious? Because you have been involved with scotch makers and you've competed at different levels. And where did it kind of turn that corner? Where were you all of a sudden in that aha moment that, oh my goodness, we, we've got some good whiskey here? Uh, honestly, it seems like it just sort of came up out of nowhere. We just have been playing with it and playing with it and putting some barrels aside and actually stopped distilling for a year, mm-hmm. almost a year and a half mm-hmm. while we were building the new distillery building. Um, and Dean was really busy with trying to coordinate that build out uh, back in 2006. That's when I sort of said, okay, if you're too busy to run the still, I'm just going to plug it in here at the in the brewery and start working on the thing and mm-hmm. figure it out. And so I started running the still when uh, Jeff Horner came along to, to brew for us at at in the brewery and it freed up time for me to run the still and Dean was still busy with. So it wasn't that it got more serious then. It just, there was a designated person to to do it all the time. And it sort of was my goal to see, well, how much can we make actually? Um, The plan was to put in big stripping still to make large amounts of uh, low wines, Mm -hmm. which is the first run through, um, and then make a lot of barrels. But we didn't have a lot of space in the rack house, in the warehouse for the distillery. Mm-hmm. So I started calculating and thinking, well, I don't know if we even have enough room to bother getting a big still. So I'm just going to 
for the next year and a half, I'm going to make as much whiskey as I possibly can in the place by myself. Just do it. Uh-huh. And ended up figuring out that we had a capacity, which physically was m- me just running up and down and doing this back and forth, of about 65 barrels a year. And so there was no point in buying another still, a giant $200,000 still. I could just make enough that would fill that warehouse of what you had with space you me had. working, mm-hmm. you know, like a crazy chimpanzee. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you've been able to age it as well and have the space to hold it and age it because you've had some barrels that you've held on to and that was kind of the first ru- the first run. I know I worked at the Walwinit and you created a a blend for them. They were original. They were one of the early uh, adopters of the whole notion that this would be a good idea. Spirits make whiskey on the island. So they invested and said, yes, we'd like a barrel of our own to to bottle and to sell at our place. So it was great. It was so awesome to have some people who took the leap of faith with us, like toppers. Well, it's a beautiful product, so they would appreciate that. But they didn't know. How well, I they think know? they had faith in you, Randy. <laughs> they had faith. <laughs> I had no idea, so I don't know how they did. <laughs> so if you are listening to us this morning, we are speaking with Randy Hudson from Cisco Brewers. He is the distiller over there, and he has been speaking to us about his whiskey that he makes there that we think is really, really special on island. And this is 89.5, Nantucket's NPR station. What else is interesting is, again, I mentioned that there was a gentleman from Scotland that you had kind of reassure the process. Can you explain that relationship and how that happened? Well, there's been a couple. Okay. Three, actually, to be honest. Um, When we started the Whiskey Project, uh, knowing with our background uh, how difficult it was for us to learn by trial and error to start the winery from from Dean's perspective and then start the brewery from my perspective, perspective and not have any outside help it was immense just the the numbers and size of hurdles that were uh being brought up brought in our face every day so we decided let's get older and smarter and try to figure this out with somebody else's help so we hired uh, a man named george mcclements who had been um, a manager at a big distillery in scotland and um, he got us initially going down the right path. Worked out our fermentation, our brewing schedule, mm-hmm. our fermentation uh, regimen, and then helped us with running the still, making the right cuts. Mm-hmm. Had people in lab back in Scotland that we sent st- samples to, and mm-hmm. they made sure that we were on the right path and helped us to tweak it uh, when they realized that there were some things that we should be eliminating with a certain cut points. So from there, we just kept making whiskey, making whiskey, making mm-hmm. whiskey. And George would come back every year and taste and watch me and go, yep, doing it good. That's good. Yep, you're doing it good. <laughs> Finally, he was unable to come back over anymore because of his health. And the cost of travel insurance uh, just mm-hmm. was too great for him. So we decided really we we're, we were at a point where we needed to make a step not just in the production of the spirit itself, uh, the, the, the liquid itself, but then figuring out how to put it together from different barrels so that it becomes something greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, so we, uh, Jay ran across uh, a man named John Ramsey who was uh, involved in developing Famous Grouse, and he was the master blender for Glenrothes, Macallan, and um, a, a number of other well-known whiskeys and had been voted 
World Whiskey Man of the Year in like 2009. Wow. So <laughs> Jay sets his sights, his goals high and said, we need to get that guy to help us. So wow. he asked him and he tasted our whiskey. And if it was terrible, he would have said, I'm too busy. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't come to do some charity work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he was interested that there was a, a an American distiller making something that was, a, you know, akin to Scotch whiskey, but not Scotch whiskey. Yes, it's whiskey, not Scotch. Right. <laughs> Scotch it's, whiskey. It's a single malt. It's a single malt, but it's a blend. Well, blending is a is or a is a thing that you do. It's a it's a word that has many meanings and it gets you into some slippery crazy areas when you go from one culture to the other scotland blended malt or blended whiskeys could involve uh grain whiskey blended with malt whiskey Mm -hmm. so that it's called a blended whiskey okay um for me i just use the term sort of generally where i i blend i take different barrels of different provenance uh, it might be uh, an ex-bourbon barrel that came from Jack Daniels or, or uh, Wild Turkey or something. And maybe a port wine barrel, barrel that mm-hmm. I put some, some whiskey in and put those together. And it's really, I think some people call it marrying. Okay. Um, but I, I, I'm a blender. Right. So I, I blend those things in a way that makes something beautiful. Right, and all those different characteristics from the barrels, which is really fun. I used to work with Glenn Morangy, mm-hmm. and they had a port uh, port barrel aging, mm-hmm. and then they had a Madeira aged mm-hmm. um, one as well. Or the the whiskeys are aged in those barrels. Right. I mean, the distilling. The, I mean, there's like all these levels. It's opened which, a whole new world it, for me. Uh-huh. Uh, and when John came on, he said we went through our barrels and just tasted, 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 and um, he sort of helped me deselect some barrels and said, let's try some of these barrels that were not as high a quality or, or, or showing themselves as well as they could be. And let's vat them and put them into a different barrel, yeah. cherry cask. So we did that. And within three months, it just changed, changed their world completely. Right. So another eye opener, another organic happening here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So I think what um I think you need to talk about don't you have some celebration with uh, an award you've won recently? I think well, your colleague Brian said that or last year you won some in- international award. He's so shy. It's like pulling teeth over here. Gosh. I don't know why he <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> just say it. Can we say and, it over the air? Well, I- I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I mean, we've 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 gotten some great medals, some gold, double gold medals at the San Francisco Spirits. What is it? Festival? I don't, I don't know. Um, 2013, we actually were uh, voted by Whiskey Whiskey Magazine, uh, a UK publication, as the single malt, American single malt of the year, and we don't even know who entered the whiskey. <laughs> That's what's going on <laughs> like, over there. How did that happen? So once we got that and we realized, oh, it's kind of good. Maybe we should start sending it into some other uh, competitions. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we we sent we've been sending um, whiskey to the International Spears Challenge um, for the past couple of years and have steadily gotten better and better reviews. So it's so exciting. It's yeah, really great. So we gotta, I'm still upset you didn't gotta, bring me any. <laughs> <laughs> Next. you got to come to me. I know. That's true. <laughs> uh, we got a silver last year, which was great. Mm-hmm. This year we got a gold. So um, I'm, I'm supposed to go to London and get on a tux. <laughs> get on. You put on put a tux. Put on a tux. 
and uh, go accept a, an award for whatever. Well, I'm you deserve sure it, it I'm sure, with all your chimpanzeeing around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not anything that I ever strove to do. I do love making things, so it's been something that I've always done. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is really, really rewarding to know that we're making something that people want to take with them from yeah. the island. It's a manufacturing. We're a manufacturer, but I don't like people thinking about us too much as an industrial endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is that, there are those elements to it. There's that aspect to it. But traditionally, it's been an agricultural endeavor. Yeah. If a farmer had two, you know, more grain than they could actually store in their silo or whatever, they would ferment it and right. make some whiskey. Right. So that's kind of what we do. Well, before you depart, I would love to ask what the future of Cisco is. I think that you might be trying to grow your own grapes. And like you said, you're trying to grow your own herbs for your products. What's what's the future? What's project number 513? <laughs> <laughs> You've been counting. That's about right, I think. Uh, you know, we just continue to be interested in, in just about anything to do with uh, alcohol, alcoholic beverages, growing things. So I think we'll see probably some variations on like our gin. We've got we got a double gold for the gin this year. Wow, look at this. From the San Francisco Spirits Challenge. But I, Dean would really love to grow more stuff. He's been growing Angelica. I've been growing Oris, which is bearded iris, um, things that we use in our in our gin. Oh, wow. Um, we would yeah. love to grow more things and then make something that's completely 100% Nantucket-grown yeah. botanicals. Right. Um, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be great. So is there anything you want to share with all those people who love Cisco and all of our Nantucketers out there? Cisco is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is good for you. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I, I do feel like um, that Epicurean aspect that you mentioned is really key for what we do because it's an important part of your everyday. It, it can be something that benefits your not only your health but your your mental well-being in measured amounts. In measured amounts. Yeah. Yes, we do have a drink responsibly <laughs> motto here, exactly. but it's about sipping and savoring and right. taking the time to enjoy it and reflect and have those moments where um, your mind gets a little free and you really enjoy the moment, which is what everyone needs to do now and then, especially here. Now they're going to think we're really tippling Out back there. here in, in the studio. We don't. He didn't bring the whiskey. Uh, water. Water. Well, it's so fun, and please, you have to go down there and check it out. There isn't that much whiskey to, to be had. I don't Is there a lot available? There's Can, a fair amount. Okay, it's just good. really expensive. <laughs> That's okay. We wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for being here. It was a real pleasure and so much fun, and we would love to have you back and talk more about how it was to put on a tux after how many <laughs> Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Probably since I, your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Not even then. <laughs> Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs> no time for Thank you again for listening to Camille's Demi Hour. Tune in every weekend through Labor Day on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Saturday mornings at 10.30 and Sundays at 11.30. If you want to hear the full episodes, you can find me on iTunes. Cheers!